And notice, notice the part of you that seeks a certain outcome that wants the positive outcome. And I often teach what's called outcome independence. You're responsible for the effort, but not the outcome. And it's so freeing and liberating for man. Amazon best-selling author and men's relationship coach, Stuart Matola joins No Politics, where we chat about the common theme men have in unhappy relationships. And we discuss Stewart's book called Fixing You Is Killing Me. So let's do it. Too many days in the darkness without a glimpse of the light. Running tired and broken and scared, but I swear I'll never give up the fight. I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every party wants to surrender Darling, you were meant to survive With every Stuart, thanks for coming on today, man. Sure thing. Great to be here. To start, Stuart, I jumping right into it. I I ended up buying your book because I really wanted the good insight into um into your work, and I I want to read an excerpt from it um because I think it's so fitting, and it's from the beginning of it too that I think will really encompass the uh, the entire episode because it really like it was such a hook. It got me even into your book as soon as I bought it too, which I I, I love and um awesome. And here we go. This is a book about the holy grail of ever-elusive happiness in long-term relationship. To have struggled in relationship is to be human. It happens to everyone. At its best, we grow wiser and happier and rise up from the struggle. At its worst, we find ourselves asking, is this it? This one person for the rest of my life? Often a barrage of other questions ensues. Do we even love each other still? Could I live without her? Could I be happy without him? And I have a feeling you've, you've probably gone through the best and worst part of it. Um, where did you um, where did you get into this type of work? And when did this work um, start for you? Sure. Um, specifically with the book, a lot of it came out of uh, uncoupling from a 20-year marriage. And all the trials and tribulations and mental spinnings in my head in that process. I love it. You're talking right from experience then. Yeah. On the top level, I can give you a little bit of backstory afterwards if you want, but I figure since you read a passage from the book, I can speak to that directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having been married for 20 years, I was with my ex-wife for 25 years. And uh, like I say in the book, I knew I still loved her, but at the same time I had this internal voice that said, yeah, and I'm done with the contract of our relationship as it is, you know, and which was, you know, the structure of that contract was a marriage, you know, and so there was a lot of internal spinning. Well, how can I leave the woman I love? How can I leave the mother of my child? How can I uh, leave an individual who struggles with her health, who has chronic health issues? What kind of guy am I if I do that? And, um, I talk a lot in the book about self-betrayal and it's that space where you are no longer growing 
experience experiencing what I call big love in a relationship. Uh, that doesn't mean everything's you know puppy dogs and butterflies every day, but it means that if you work through conflicts and you have the skills to do that in a good way, you come out feeling like a bigger version of yourself through those conflicts. And it's not always going to happen, but let's say, you know, 60, 70% of the time, whatever it is that you, that, that relationship or marriage um, actually, actually has you feeling expansive. And I call that, you know, that big love. I don't want to make it hoity toity or new agey, but uh, I think people feel it in their gut and heart. Can I trust this person? Can I have a, an emotional and psychological home with them? And typically, I am seeing a lot of men where the they're not necessarily asking themselves that question, but they're having an unconscious experience of a no, I'm not feeling safe with this person. I'm not feeling a sense of a psychological or emotional home. And uh, it's really giving me a lot of anxiety, fear, stress, and negative feedback. And it has me asking the questions that you spoke to when you read that first passage of the book, such as this person for the rest of my life, do I still love her? Do I want to be with him? And so the book is explicitly on that explicit crossroads um, that people reach in relationship, how I navigated it, and also universal lessons that I offer to the readers. Now, I often work with a lot of men who are not at that depth of crossroads. In fact, most uh, who, of the individuals I work with are more in that, you know, beginning phase of like, yeah, I really want to make things better. Well, that's good. That's good that you're getting them at that phase, right? Rather than at the, uh, in that deeper stage. Yeah. And, you know, that's, for a while I was working more at that deeper stage and uh, I found I couldn't be as effective. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as a coach, I want to, I want to serve. I want to serve powerfully and I want to have my clients benefit from the work we do together. Yeah, is that and I was much more effective in that space of wanting to improve the marriage than in the quote unquote crossroads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's always good. And I'm glad that men are a- approaching you for this too, because I feel like men, um, they there's a hesitancy to kind of reach out for help and and communicate too. So I'm I'm really relieved and happy to to know that men are doing this. When men typically reach out to you, what are you seeing a common theme? with with them yeah tons of common themes and it's funny because i have these check boxes on this form on my website and some of them say like uh uh you know uh walking on eggshells um yeah. uh bullying uh you know fear of divorce you know all those things uh, you know don't feel like i can't make feel like i could never make her happy you know, these are pretty common symptoms. And there's a, there's an emotional environment out there that's not really spoken to because it doesn't fit the, uh, you know, the cultural narrative of men abusing women, the whole patriarchal narrative, which, you know, obviously has a lot of validity. But as I always like to say in my work, there's a both and here. There's a yeah. lot of guys getting beat up in the domestic realm, emotionally, verbally, um, especially in uh, college-educated couples. You oh, know, really? Yeah, I see a lot of that 
especially in that realm, because the men tend to um, not be as classically masculine. So they're going to be less likely to just bite into her with his anger. He he don't want to be that guy. Whereas I found that, uh, and again, uh, what do they say? Uh, All generalizations are false, including the one I just made. Um, (laughs) So I want to take it with a grain of salt, but we see uh, there is some data to to support that, that in college-educated couples, 90% of the time, it's the woman who initiates the divorce, whereas non-college-educated couples, it's uh, 60% that the woman's initiating the divorce. Well, why that difference? Because in more edu- college educated couples, um, you know, there's more women's empowerment. There's more like, hey, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with an emotionally checked out dude. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of times men who uh, retreat um, don't embrace their anger because they don't know how to use it effectively towards assertion. Okay. Um, they often shut down for most of their emotions and she experiences it as a checked out guy. And she's also more empowered. So she's, you know, she may have her own career uh, more likely, or at least at a level at which she can provide or support for herself. Um, Or she's in a situation where he's done really well and she knows, you know, with a alimony arrangement or whatever, that it'll be fine. Um, So spinning into a tangent there, that's the far end of the spectrum. (laughs) I don't typically work a lot in that realm, but I work, um, you know, again, most of my clients are college educated guys who've been successful in business, uh, law, medicine, other realms, and they've had success in their careers and they feel like a failure at home and they want to turn that around. You had brought up um, emotionally checked out um, men. I think that that, you know, being kind of a a common theme after a while i'm glad that they're approaching you why do you think they um became emotionally checked out to a point because i feel like especially in their careers being very successful they're probably extremely emotionally checked in with those careers um why why do you think it uh it might not be the same at home well i'll give you two top level reasons one is uh you ever seen the youtube video tony porter the man box no, no, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> Basically says uh, us as dudes are raised uh, with um, given permission to experience one emotion, which is anger. Tough guy, anger, mm, you know? That's interesting. Whereas sadness, you're a wimp. Um, fear, you're a wimp. And joy, if it's too giddy and joyful, you're gay. Yeah, you know, and that was a message that a lot of men got for many, 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 many years, especially for guys who are over forty. The second part is at work, uh, a guy is leveraging what's called uh, transactional consciousness. Well, if I do A to get, if I do A, I'll get B. I know it works. I've seen it work in the past. Um, You know, if I pause to have the challenging conversations with my business partners at the right time. When they're level-headed, I can get the deal through or whatever it is, you know. Whereas in a marriage, a man has to learn a whole different set of skills, which is called relational consciousness. And that's not I do A to get B. It's just I do B and I'm authentic and I'm vulnerable and I'm caring. And I'm not uh, and I'm interested 
in you and your well-being um, as opposed to just, you know, I need more sex. Well, a lot of times I'll coach a guy on the sex. I'll be like, well, sex is the top level symptom. What's underneath that? And then we get to aliveness. Yeah. Eros. Eros is that uh, erotic intelligence, erotic curiosity. So where do you feel uh, dead in your life where instead you're dumping all that energy of feeling dead uh, into onto her and sexual desire, you know? So like, you know, how do you redistribute the energy that you're, uh, you know, divorced from within yourself? That takes a relational, com uh, relationally conscious mindset as opposed to a transactional. And so the, you know, the, the Tony Porter man box and the difference between relational and transactional consciousness are my top, you know, headline answers about where guys struggle with their emotional intelligence and being checked out. Yeah. Do you, being emotionally in, intelligent, do you, uh, cause I, I, I feel like the times I've seen like couples argue or so me being a man, I could, I could kind of, uh, pick up on their facial expressions and and know what they're feeling without them expressing it and i feel like women are very very good at um being able to communicate because they're i think always thinking about emotions and they're they become more emotionally intelligent because of that so their form of their way of communicating how they feel is i i think clear you know, the, in the famous arguments, it's always, um, you know, I feel A because of B and because you did C. And I think with men, do you find men are equally as um, uh, skillful in communicating how they feel? Because I, fe I feel like a lot of the times it's it's not at all. And I, I see them a lot just making that first like comment and then realizing they just can't um, – find the correct words to process during the argument to get out in a functionally driven way to um, communicate exactly how they're feeling. And then the shutdown comes, they turn, you know, they turn their own computer off basically. Right. Right. Uh, you definitely hit something big. I think, I mean, I actually just had an, uh, a blog that I put out that referenced an article in psychology today and it says male and female brains, are they wired differently? And the gist of the article is that what you're speaking to is, yes, men tend to struggle more with, uh, you know, really subtle, nuanced, in-depth verbal communication. The type that has a guy feeling like she's talking circles around him. And he can't even remember the last thing he just said. And he's asking her, what did I just say? And why is that? Well, uh, yeah. a lot of it has to do with the brain wiring, you know. Um, you know, it's said that, men are better at performing single tasks, whereas women are better at multitasking. Women are, women are better at, you know, attention, word memory, uh, verbal abilities. Men are better at spatial processing and sensory motor activities. You know, uh, those are vast generalizations, but we know some truth, yeah. from the research that those things are true. And so, the 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 moment here for the man and uh i love can i curse on this uh, yeah yeah you can say fuck shit whatever you want <laughs> yeah I, I loved what ken wilbur said he was he is an international philosopher he said that over thousands of years or hundreds of hundreds of years thousands of years 
men had two instincts, okay? They didn't involve language. Fuck it or kill it. Yeah, that's that's you know, a perfect way to, I mean. Right, and then women had another sense, which was relate to it, connect to it. And that was the evolutionary uh, development of the family of raising children they had to connect with the children etc obviously that's all been flipped on its head in the last 70 years but okay what was the the women's right amendment was what 1973 equal rights amendment and actually you know as i don't remember my history my politics i don't think that actually (laughs) went through but anyway as feminism came online that challenged it so suddenly guys have to learn the emote the relate to it if they're going to be in a successful marriage. And uh, there's there's a moment at which I love what Esther Perel says. She talks about uh, author who wrote Mating in Captivity. She has a phrase called that. Uh, I have a struggle with this word. Hegemony of talk intimacy. The domination of talk intimacy. And she explicitly says it puts men at a disadvantage. Everything's like the way that many women today feel closest through talking, talking, talking. And uh, that can feel limited for a dude. He wants often touch, you know, he wants touch intimacy. And it doesn't just mean sex. It means hugging, holding, feeling close physically, etc. cetera. Um, and those natural differences work, you know, are, are verified by you know, the research on neurochemistry. So, yes, a lot of my work is helping guys slow down the communication. That's a good way to put it. You're hooked. You're triggered. I have this video that says the one word that could save your ass when you're losing your shit with your partner. And the one word is pause. 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 (laughs) Yes. Get in (laughs) between the circuitry of what's in your brain and what's coming out of your mouth pause before it comes out of your mouth because one of the greatest things we can do as guys is we can respond versus react we become more trustworthy to our partner we become more stable for her the feminine can relax in the space of a responding masculine versus a reactive yeah, and to slow the slow the pace down too. I've I've realized that's a great point because I've realized that myself when I've gone on to like job interviews in the past, and all it is is you're just sitting across the desk and you have to sell that person. That communication is so key. And they're all oftentimes there's a there's a panel of people and they're all asking you multiple questions. So you have this sensory overload and you're trying not to slip up or goof, you know, or you know, have a facial expression or something that they don't think you're confident in. And now and I learned that. Just you don't have to respond as soon as that person has a period at the end of their sentence. You don't have to immediately. You could take five seconds and go, well, whoo, let me breathe. Let me think. And then respond. You know, there's no there's no timetable. I, I say fe- notice notice the part of you that seeks a certain outcome. That wants the positive outcome. And I often teach what's called outcome independence. You're responsible for the effort, but not the outcome. And it's so freeing and liberating for man. I know I made a good effort. I know I spoke kindly. I know I spoke lovingly. Shit flew up on me still. Well, it was a good day for me, a tough day for the relationship. 
that's a good way to put it. Because we're, I, I feel like as men, I can't say for speak for women, but as as a guy, I am all about the outcome, you know. And yeah. I feel like we're always communicating in a way to reach the desired outcome, which you never want to get to the desired outcome with kind of selling something that you're not happy with or 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 then you get into the classic patterns that i see with a ton of my clients pleasing that self-betrayal fixing that's a big one that i struggle with to be frank and i'm working on that of course i'm a fucking coach um (laughs) uh rescuing um there are all these things that are in the ethos of the masculine serve or not really serve, but protect and provide, you know? So we take protect and provide, we translate it into fix and rescue. And uh, we create a shit show in our relationships because she doesn't want to be a project that gets fixed. You know, how can you stand by her side, hear her, even if it seems a little crazy or you can't even follow the logic, um, let go. That's her thing. Be at her side. You know, I heard you say A, B, and C. And then then there's that pause, that pause between like, okay, I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to be with her here, you know, and it can feel abstract. And, you know, of course, every situation requires something different. And that's like, you know, that's the, you know, more samurai skill level. But at the end of the day, just to pay attention to yourself, notice what's going on inside of you and uh, yeah, get clear how it's impacting you and what you're bringing forward. And again, you know, all of us, I mean, I call it the diz. I haven't heard that word said, but when you're in a relationship, it's very easy to be in the diz, get dizzy, activate a hook trigger. The diz I call the deep intimacy zone of relationship because that those hooks and triggers get more activated in that intimate relationship than anywhere else in your life. That's a good, yeah, no, that's a good point. I, um, you know, with, communicate with communication too i was trying to break this down scientifically um to see really why in arguments i feel like you know women make a lot of a lot of great points and like i said before with men just not being able to put those words to those emotions because like you said there's you know too quick they got to have a pause and in psychology there's four types of ways people communicate in in different ways it's assertive aggressive passive and passive aggressive. And out of those four, you would think the people who tend to, you know, I would say get the upper hand in um, discussions and in arguments are probably the assertive and aggressive um, uh, um, communicators. And then the passive and passive aggressives um, probably don't, you know, get too far in any of those discussions. And I think, all right, that's true. Where do men and women lie in that? And in my experience, I'm I'm thinking and just looking at myself, I tend to be a passive and a passive aggressive person. I think I'm I'm probably similar with with most men because as soon as somebody starts talking, I immediately stop talking. And if they're talking over me, I I stop and I usually don't, you know, raise the voice or get emotional or anything like that. And then if you have a conversation over the course of like 15, 20 minutes, I probably got in like maybe a couple sentences in comparison to longer paragraphs and i think from my own experience too just with dating and whatnot i think um there's there's more of um and you might know um more more about this than i do in an actual marriage of you know somebody being assertive and aggressive i would say if you can um you know just give some of your thoughts 
Yeah, I mean, I would say because um, women often feel more capable in the verbal realm, mm, they can often get more assertive point. and aggressive than than men. Because of confidence Again, probably too, right? Somewhat, or just a fluidity with words, etc. Um, again, I'm going to say this is outside of the classic patriarchal realm. These are college-educated men who are aware of the patriarchy, trying to do something different, but they just don't have a generative model of masculinity when it comes to relationship. They they know what they don't want to be, but they have no idea how to be what they – they don't even know what they want to be half the time because they just don't know what it looks like, Yeah, you know, which is a confident – calm, collected, relational man. And again, of course, I can say those four words on the top level. And there's a ton of inner dynamics and interdynamics with a partner to, to, you know, live that. And, you know, one thing I like to say is for couples, like, like notice how people don't do couples work until they're in trouble. Yeah. There's no, there's no maintenance. Like you got a car, you got to change the oil. You got to take care of it, change the tires. But in relationship, we don't do that. We don't do maintenance. You know, what would maintenance look like? It means like once a week or whatever, twice a week, we're spending conscious time together. The phones are turned off. We're holding each other. We're, you know, maybe doing a simple reflexive listening. Hey, how's your day? Let's go a layer deeper into the heart zone instead of just reporting. Yeah. You know, speak about what I heard, like really conscious couple time, you know, even 30 minutes once a week is like a, a form of yeah, connection. Like relationship meditation. Yeah, somewhat. And, and, you know, I know, I know that for many people that feels really contrived, unnatural. Why would I do that? Well, build some muscles there, you know, um, obviously every day is a chance to build relational muscles as you, you know, have conflict or step in landmines or you notice your partner looked at you funny or why did she shake her head like that or what was that tone about you know i mean there's just so many moments where we can tap in now the question is uh you know what battles do we want to pick well most people go pretty passive which is a an attitude of well you get what you get you know she yeah. is who she is he is i am who i am um, how can we switch into an active and more proactive stance towards relationship, which says, uh, you know what? No, I don't want to live with, I get what I get. I want to live with, um, I want to look at our, our, our shit, our problems. And I want to, I want to make this better. I want to, you know, be actively involved. And I invite you as my partner to be actively involved as well. Let's go find uh, uh, you know, a way in which we can do that. And obviously in the internet, there's a thousand different schools of thought on this and, yeah, you know, find ways that you can connect and try different things and fail and then try again. I love what Samuel Beckett said, fail, fail and fail again, better. I mean, just the whole idea of that. If we don't, you know, try these things, we're not going to learn and grow. What, what would be some tactics you would like say this, um, recommend to your, one of your clients or even to somebody who's listening right now, that's, like, oh, crap, I, that self-betrayal, I am definitely there right now. Um, what would you say, all right, they're in a relationship, say they're married, say they're in a, a couple-year relationship. Um, how, how are you able to um, kind of discuss it with them to where they feel confident, okay, this is the game plan of uh, how to um, 
How to well, start? Part, I'd say just start. Yeah, a big part is, is we're going to look at their shadows. So shadows are those parts of themselves that they hide and repress. You know, so uh, my classic example of shadow for myself was putting my needs in the closet. Like, I'm a dude. I, I'm cool. I don't got no needs. You know, so I wouldn't ask my partner for what I needed. And so then her needs would dominate the relationship. And there was a lot of that going on in my marriage. And through years and years of doing men's work, going on retreats, sitting with uh, you know mentors who understood that, hey, man, you're living in an inner civil war here by shutting off your needs. Well, the reality is your needs uh, got shut down when you were a kid. Parents were busy working. You know, your way of trying to get validation approval was to not be a burden on anybody. So I have to make a, I have to help a man get conscious of his unconscious programming, you know, and that classic line of what Carl Jung said, uh, you know, uh, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fate. Oh, I, I have heard that quote. That is a very good line. That is a very good line. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of shadow work, looking at the unconscious stuff. And then looking at how that actually um, trickles into his interactions with his wife or partner, as he becomes more aware of the, the, the landmines that he steps on, and often due to unconscious programming, and how to start to, uh, you know, re reverse that. Now he's suddenly in a position to have a better relationship because he's uh, in more generative, productive behaviors. So for example, instead of pleasing, okay, uh, I want to make her happy, but I also know, you know, from some of my work with Stuart that um, her happiness is an insurmountable and an impossible task to achieve. So what I can actually do instead is focus on my own happiness, my own confidence, and now bring a more stable, confident, loving, relational version of myself to this relationship. And then I get to see how she responds differently to that version of me, the guy who doesn't get, who doesn't uh, just shut down when she gets, you know, heightened in, in her volume or when she gets activated. The guy who says, pause, uh, I need to set a boundary here, sweetie. You know, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but how you're saying it, um, it's, it's not helping me stay connected to you. In fact, it's alienating me. And so how can a guy say that kindly, lovingly, and with uh, strength and assertion. You know, I often say caring, assertive, and vulnerable are three magical uh, traits for a man to aspire towards. And a mentor of mine taught me them, and they're the exact opposite of what's called the drama triangle, which you may be f familiar with. It's a, it's a way of interacting with a partner where you're both stuck in a behavioral pattern that causes just drama. And so in the drama triangle, it's a perpetrator, rescuer, and victim. Okay. So people who feel like victims, then they go and perpetrate, right? I got to yeah. get some power. And then people who perpetrate, they feel shitty afterwards. And then they drop into a rescuer, you know, like, oh, I want to fix this mess I created. So people just will toggle between those three points. And the opposite is uh, instead of rescuing, which is caretaking, go to caring. I show my care, but uh, whether you're okay or not, that's not on me. That's on you because you're an adult. Yeah. Uh, and from victim, I go to vulnerable, you know, and I often say you can't be vulnerable unless there's safety. Safety requires boundaries. 
you got to set context because a lot of times you can say to a partner, I'm not, I don't want you to agree with me with what I'm going to say. I want you to just repeat back what I heard so that I know that I've been heard. That's all I need. So that's a way of setting a container, a boundary, so that I can now be vulnerable. Uh, and that's yeah, you, you, you can see the domino effect. I mean, there's so much depth. And like you said before, right. that that depth is really deep where, I mean, it's, it's not just, yeah. oh, do you feel safe? It's, well, what what's that person's boundaries? And then you have to respect those boundaries. I mean, that is. Well, you have to like set a container and see if they're willing to even agree to that, you know, boundary that you're putting out there. Um, but I wanted to say the last one of uh, of perpetrating, which is aggressing, being aggressive, to, to flip to assertive. Assertive is, um, it, it, there's not as much charge. You know, it's more like, hey, I'd like it if you uh, consider my words that I'm about to say. And mm, this is really important for me to be heard on. That's a very different thing than, you never hear me. You're crazy. You always are, you know, throwing shit at me. Yeah. So anyway, we're getting into the nitty gritty here a little bit. No, no, it probably it's, it's... also answers your question a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, what it looks like outside of those top level ideas. And, and, and one of the biggest ones I always say is if you remember these five words, um, be relational versus be right. If, if your listeners can take mm. anything, it's just that. It would be that. Like, yeah. Nobody gets anywhere in arguments in a marriage or long-term partnership by being right. You just don't. It's the ego. And uh, it's not relational. It's what's called me consciousness instead of us consciousness. Yeah, because you're, yeah, it's that third, um, mm -hmm. kind of the third person there, which is third the entity. relationship. Yeah. 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 I, and just to be clear, bro, that's not meaning if you focus on the us all the time that you're going to have the perfect relationship, but you're going to be in a much better position to improve on the problems that are going on. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a, a perfect point. I uh, I mean, I think you hit it absolutely perfect. I was actually just getting like lost in what you were saying, relating it to my <laughs> relating it to myself. I was like, oh man, there's I remember this time, I remember that time. I um I couldn't help but think too, before we wrap up here, um have ha, you explaining this to a, a client and talking about their shadows and things, and especially it, it brought up a um uh a point in my mind when you had said, you know, it's it's bringing up your needs out of the closet that you put there. Um I can't help but think, I mean, have you ever had a client go, oh my gosh, if only I could go back and not from back to day one when I met this person and not um, just put my needs in the closet in um, substitution of the pursuit and just of this, of the woman. You know, because I think as as guys, we're so, especially in the beginning, we're so obsessed with the pursuit and the hunt and the um, trying to um, persuade her. them and win them that we just throw all of our of our needs and, and expectations and everything away. And then we kind of begin the relationship without this um, with this expectation to them that just oh, they're the only ones that matter. They're the only needs that need to be met are them. I mean, have you ever had a client just kind of have that realization and go, Oh shit, wait a second. I think yeah. I did that. Yeah. But I'll always say uh, instead of 
you know, shaming who you were or, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking in regret, uh, let's just be grateful you have these problems now and uh, you're getting the consciousness to actually do something about it because at the end of the day, all of us have, at this explicit moment, if any of your listeners pause and say, what are the biggest problems in my life? Okay. Um, and, and consider this statement and it, it could piss people off <laughs> or it could be like, whoa, but we get the perfect problems that we need at the level of development at which we are currently at. Okay. Those problems are there in a reflection of the level of development you're at. So how can we just be gentle with that and be like, oh, okay, this is, this is awesome. And, and I love what Mark Manson said, who wrote Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. He said, um, he said, let's not try to get rid of our problems. Let's try to understand that part of uh, happiness and fulfillment is solving problems so that we can have better problems. Yes. Yeah. Choose I like that. Problems. I like that. Choose yes. your problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get better problems. Okay. So now I don't have the problem of a divorce, but now I have the problem of figuring out what I'm going to do with my wife on that date on Tuesday. And if I can get a babysitter, that's a better problem. Yeah. I, I would say so. That's a lot better problem, man. I love how you put that. That was so simple and, too. And then one last little thing I want to say, it ties this idea of uh, emotional intelligence to how a guy can put his needs like on the side is um, this statement. And a, a buddy of mine uh, who's a divorce recovery coach, he says, um, let me see if I can nail this. He says, um, if you don't know a man who doesn't know his, or a person who doesn't know their emotions can't get their needs met. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cause you can't, there's no you don't know what's going on. And then uh, Sue Johnson, who created EFT, she said uh, a, a person without connection to their emotions has no compass. You know, I teach a very simple feedback mechanism to help a guy get the memo from an emotion, anger, fear, joy, and sadness. I'll give you an example of one. When I help a guy understand that fear is not a problem, it's your relationship with fear that's the problem. So ask yourself, and this is true 98% of the time, when you say to your fear, fear, are you trying to keep me safe from something? 98% of the time, that fear is going to say, yeah, I'm trying to keep you safe. Safe from what? And you get to ask it, safe from what? Safe from heartbreak, safe from divorce, safe from job loss, safe from... And so now suddenly I can be like, oh, cool. All right, well, now I can just focus. Now I know where to put my energy to work on the problem because fear is giving me this great feedback mechanism. It's and I don't need to be so torn up with the emotion. And I actually got the data from the fear. And now I can look at like, oh, okay, how am I going to work on this? And there are some fears like fear of heartbreak that, you know, I'll just say to my fear, I'll be like, I get it, bro, but that's life. <laughs> we got to live with that one and we're going to be okay. And we don't need to fear it. And that's just part of the equation of being human. And I noticed that fear will just drop significantly. And I get to a place where it's like, I am feeling fear. I am not fear. So anyway, that's a top headline of how I'll help a man build emotional intelligence. And I have a similar system for anger, um, sadness, and joy. Just to help guy get quick hits, you know?
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it we're just basically came full circle there where I mean, you know, to, to go off your, your book again, to have struggled in a relationship is to be human, you know, so right. I um, and if you're, you're listening to this right now, too, this is only the beginning of what is in the book. So if you're like, Oh, my gosh, this, you know, what he said, just changed my whole outlook or perspective on what I have going on in my relationship right now. Get the book, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, you know, you just uh read it online or get it in the mail um and and Stuart, i'd love to also ask you where else can people find you um best to kind of sure. follow you or if they do need um or if they would sure. like to kind of reach out sure first i want to say i don't know if you mentioned the title of the book it's called fixing you is killing me and then the subtitle is a conscious roadmap to knowing when to see save and when to leave your relationship but as far as um learning about me Best way is my website, stuartmatola.com, S-T-U-A-R-T-M-O-T-O-L-A.com. And, uh, you know, if, if you're a YouTube person, uh, I have over 160 videos on YouTube. You can just, you know, search my name, Stuart Matola, on YouTube. You'll see a ton of titles. And uh, the crazy thing is, you know, 40 to 50% of my mail list, email list, and viewers are women because they're wanting to know how guys are wired. So for I, I work primarily with men, but I do work with a lot of women who are wanting to understand men better. So yeah, I like that too, that it, they, um, they have an interest in it as well, because it's just affects them just as much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you for coming on. So I mean, this was, was awesome stuff. I'm, uh, I'm so glad that we had a, a chance to chat about this, especially during, um, you know, what, what's pretty much men's health um month too i think this is really fitting to a lot of people i know you just talking i i i know of a lot of experiences in my head that i'm like oh well i could have done that i could have done this and you know hopefully just like you said we could start here and just gently um you know go forward so thanks. yeah the first step is for a guy to be willing to ask for help and get past his ego yeah say so, yeah I need, I need support figuring this one out um but yeah, appreciate having the opportunity to be with you here. Yeah, no problem, Stuart. I'm I'm sure we'll um we'll see you down the road. All right, thanks so much. Have a great day. We are-